LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Making Disciples with Robbie Gallaty a resource to equip and encourage leaders to make disciples who make disciple makers. I'm your host, Chris Swain, here with Robbie Gallaty, the pastor of Long Hollow Baptist Church, founder and president of Replicate Ministries. Today on the podcast, we are going to be talking about mobilizing our people, mobilizing your people to experience the kingdom of heaven today, the kingdom of God today. And we've been talking about this topic for uh, maybe two or three podcasts. We've touched on some of this, but it is so critical because ultimately discipleship, uh, disciple making, connecting with others, growing in Christ, all of these things are the outflow, if you will, of living, of kingdom living. And that's one of the connections that we don't think a lot of people are making. A lot of uh, churches and leaders, and you know, again, I've been there, you've been there. We, we've kind of done church work, but as we make this connection of what God wants to do in our life right now, it makes clear sense as to why and how we should mobilize our people to be disciple makers. Yeah, and I'll tell you this too. So, because I've thought a lot about this, like why are very few people saying this or talking about this? John Orberg just came out with a new book, which I was so encouraged to hear. Apparently, uh, he's thinking about this. I'm thinking about this. His book came out last year, end of last year. My book came out in February. Basically, the same theme of salvation being here and now and the kingdom here and not tomorrow. Yeah. But I was thinking, like, why are few people thinking this way and talking this way? And here's what I've realized. Many of us have been indoctrinated albeit good doctrine, with ideas and in tradition and history uh, and insights from years before. And so what happens is what you've learned from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust the faithful men. That's what we're supposed to do. I've heard that somewhere before. Yeah, I think Paul said that yeah. <laughs> to <laughs> Timothy. That yeah, before. you read that before. But here's the thing, and, and, and that's good, and that's how doctrine continues, and that's how the church uh, moves on. But the reality is, if along the way a uh, picture of salvation gets nuanced in the wrong way, mm. or it you get sidetracked, and, or you or you compartmentalize it to make it one dimensional, yeah. then that gets perpetuated. And then what happens is what was abnormal in the day of Jesus becomes sure. normalized today, and we think that's just normal Christianity. So what happens is you've got to kind of critique and audit uh, your belief system at times. Just think, you know what? Is this right now? And here's the thing. I'm not saying we dump everything we believe and start over. What yeah. I'm saying is I want to add to an already uh, probably robust picture of salvation because I think sure. we have one dimensionalized it where salvation is a point. Okay. Yeah. Only. And it's a prayer. Uh, and it's something that happened in the past. And for Jesus, it was way more than that. Okay. For Jesus, salvation was the kingdom upon you. Okay. So when it says Jesus came preaching the gospel of the kingdom of heaven. Okay. Remember he said, repent right. for the kingdom of heaven is what? Near. Near. He didn't say far away. 
Yeah. He the didn't say that heaven will be here uh, a few hundred years or thousands of years from 2000 years. Actually, <laughs> actually, let me pinpoint it. It's going to be the year 1990, 1988. And I'll write a book, 88 reasons Christ will come back. And, and then I'll write the book, 89 reasons. He 89 reasons because you missed a moment. Okay. That's not what he did. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is near. And we said this in the last right. podcast. The kingdom of heaven, remember, is not some place of a palace in the sky that we go to after we die only. Okay. In fact, we don't even go there. Here's a misnomer about kingdom of heaven. People think that when we die, we're going to go into the sky to be with Christ for eternity. I believe your term was bottle rocketed. Yeah, we're going to bottle rocket from earth to heaven. Yeah, and I, love, I, and I, love, I didn't think through that, that a lot, by the way. That came that off no, the cuff. That's good, but that's good. but uh, the, rea- <laughs> the reality is heaven's actually going to come at the, final, uh, at the final creation and renewal to earth. Did you know this? Mm. I, I have I did know that God is a coming down God Chris and this is what we need to understand God's not in the business of go- bringing us up to him mm. God has always been in the business of bringing himself to us I'll prove it to you okay when God creates Adam and Eve he doesn't have to come to the garden he could have let his creation be and hung out in the heavens but it says early on I think this is important God walked with Adam in the what in the cool of the garden Mm. okay god's pretty cool and god's a walker okay i don't know but he's a walker okay where you're going god likes to walk with people now think about this god comes down again adam adam's older and who does he come down it says genesis 5 he's walking with another man do you remember this guy Mm -hmm. tim does starts with an e uh is it uh enoch Enoch. if any's got andrew's got it enoch I had it. I was just slightly you had behind it. Yeah, the it was right. Yeah, it's a little early still, but Enoch. Okay, so Enoch walked with God, and he was no more. He just Translate. walked on out. He changed. He said, I'm out of here. As a mic drop, and he walked out. Yeah, imagine what that was like one day, huh? So uh, it was an old beam me up, Scotty kind of deal, right? So he's out, or he bottle rocketed. He bottle rocketed out. He's not gonna let me live that. Way. <laughs> okay, so the reality is, God's a coming down God. Right. When God meets with uh, Abraham. He comes down to meet with Abraham. Mm. When God meets with Moses, he comes down in the burning bush. Then he says, go to a mountain, come up, I'll come down. God's always a coming down God. With the Israelites, he comes down with fire. He comes down with smoke. Okay, He's always a coming down God. So when he comes in the form of his son, Jesus, wraps himself in flesh, comes to the earth on a rescue mission to save the world through Christ, his son, is it any wonder to anyone that he comes down from heaven to earth in the form of a child, a baby, born into the, he, the creature becomes, uh, or the creator becomes the creature, okay? Mm. Then at the end of time, John says, when the veil of realities pull back and I'm peering into the heavenlies, what I'm seeing at the end is that there's a new heaven and a new earth going up into the sky. Is that what John says? No. No, go look at Revelation 21. Go read it again. I saw a new, I heard a voice from heaven saying, or he said, I saw a new heaven and a new earth for there was no longer any sea. The sea has passed away. Coming down to earth Hmm. like a bride brightly or beautifully prepared for her husband. So it's the picture of God once again, finally coming down to be with his people. Hmm. Why have we had this love affair with us leaving earth to go to heaven? When God is in the business of taking heaven to earth through us. So that makes perfect sense of the kingdom of heaven. When Jesus would heal people, he'd say, the kingdom's come upon you. When Jesus sent people out, he'd say, go preach the what? 
go preach the the kingdom is here right we're on a kingdom theme here when 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 people were gonna say kingdom to every okay when the people were empowered uh and acts okay go be my witnesses okay witnesses to what yes the, the 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 resurrection but witnesses that the kingdom has come upon you just like you did in luke 9 when i sent out the 12 and just like i did with luke 10 when i sent out the 70 just keep that message going it's no accident that jesus for 40 days go read it acts chapter 1 is teaching the disciples one topic one topic, Chris. Go read it. Acts chapter salvation. one. No, not salvation. You you messed up because you were supposed to say something. I know, I know. The kingdom. He's teaching them about the kingdom of God. Okay. Yeah. Think about this. When Paul, or the, or the first question the disciples ask. All right, guys, we get one shot at this. Jesus, hey guys, I'm out of here. Well, ho, 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 geez, we get one one more question left. They get one question to ask. Acts chapter one. What is the question, Dylan? Not you, Chris. Because you already know the I'm answer. Gonna, I'm going to get it wrong. What is the question they asked Jesus in Acts chapter 1? I can't remember. Oh, oh man. Andrew, I just preached on this too. Andrew, what question did Jesus ask? The, or what question did the disciples ask, ask to Jesus? It's about time. It's about time. But when is the what? Kingdom of Going to be what? Set up. Right, Tim? Tim knows it. What did he say? Yeah. It only took four of us. It only took four of us. Okay. (laughs) Jesus was asked by the disciples, are you setting up the kingdom now? These were kingdom minded people. You got to understand the kingdom was all they thought about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of, of heaven. That's all they thought, thought about. Right. And it wasn't some place they have a ticket. They're not holding tickets waiting for Jesus to return to take them to heaven. They realized they've been given the the privilege and, and the encouragement to be kingdom citizens today. Now watch this. What is the final message? that Paul is preaching at the end of Acts. So Acts 1 is bookend, Acts is bookend, chapter 1, mm-hmm. with Jesus preaching on the kingdom. Yes. The first question, I think it's 7 or 8, uh, from the disciples, is about the kingdom. Are you ready for this? What is the final thing that the that Paul is the teaching on in Acts, okay? Acts 28, I'll give you, I'll give you that little uh, reference Acts right 28. there. The answer to that question. What do you think? After we come back from this break. You know, training your volunteers and leaders is important, but do you ever feel like you don't know where to start? That's why LifeWay Leadership developed Ministry Grid. With Ministry Grid's library of over 3,000 training videos, the work has been done for you, and you'll be able to train everyone in your church. And this is training you can trust. Each Ministry Grid video features an experienced ministry leader who has been where you are right now. You can also customize any training by adding videos, PDFs, YouTube videos, and more. And now Ministry Grid has one price and one plan that gives you unlimited access to train your entire church. Just go to ministrygrid.com to learn more. Once again, that is ministrygrid.com. And we're back. And we have the answer to the question. This is a pretty big question. And the beginning of Acts. Yes. The kingdom was being talked about. Yes. I don't know. I actually know the answer to this question, but what was being talked about at the end of Acts? What? Are you asking me or am I asking you? I, you were asking I'm me, asking but I'm you the question. back on you now. <laughs> okay. The, uh, here's my answer. You ready? The kingdom. Yep. That's it. Hygiene, uh, bingo. You got it. That's yes. exactly right. I know how to pass this class now. You, you're doing good. Okay. Think about this. A- I'm going to read it for you. Acts 28 verses 30 and 31. This is the final two verses of Acts. Paul stayed 
two years in his rented house, and he welcomed all who visited him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching them about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Now, mm. here's what's interesting. There are two words here. He could have, they could have said he proclaimed the kingdom and Jesus Christ, but it says he proclaimed the kingdom, but he taught on the kingdom of Christ. So proclaiming mm. is this idea of heralding. It's this idea of announcing. Okay. And so the, the, the fact that Paul's announcing the kingdom of God is here, and then teaching on Jesus, which is discipleship, shows us that that's the message or that's the mon- motto or, or, or the mantra we should be using in our own life, right? right? That's, that's the message we should be teaching. That's where I'm looking for. Message we should be teaching. Okay, now let's get back to why we're here. Okay? Why are we here? Why are we talking about all this? <laughs> because for, for, for Jesus, this, this offer of the kingdom of heaven caused people to do insanely uh, out-of-the-box, uh, non-characteristic things because they were so passionate to get into the kingdom. Hmm. And this wasn't just, let me get a ticket so I can go back home and wait. Yeah. They realized that if they could get in the presence of the king, King Jesus, hmm. that they had entrance and they could be sent out as ambassadors, representatives to be a part of this kingdom. Now, now let me just define kingdom because I, I think people may be a little confused sure. on this. Uh, a kingdom, to be in a kingdom means you have to be a subject to the king. Right. Okay. So if you're a uh, part of the kingdom of, of the UK, of Britain, let's say England. The uh, United Kingdom. The United Kingdom. There you go. There you go. Look at you. Sharp. Uh, the United Kingdom. Right. So what happens is you're actually under the authority of the queen. Okay. Which means you obey and you listen and you abide by all the rules and regulations of the queen. Now, the benefit of that is you have the protection of the kingdom and you have the authority of the kingdom the behind you, the, the fellowship kingdom. of the kingdom, and the you have the, of the privileges kingdom. of right. the kingdom, okay? If you decide to live outside of the kingdom on your own and you're not going to obey the rules and you're not going to be under the reign and authority of the kingdom, you can do that, but you're not going to be blessed, You're not going to be protected. You're not going to experience the privileges of that kingdom. The same thing goes for the kingdom of Christ. Okay. As kingdom citizens, you have a choice of whether you're going to obey the king or not. And it's simply up to you. If you don't obey the king, there are repercussions for your sin. Hmm. If you obey the king, there are blessings that come along with it. People were so adamant about trying to get into this kingdom. They did crazy things. I mean, think about this. A wealthy man who was short decides to climb a tree, which was forbidden and taboo. I mean, who climbs trees as it? When was the last time you climbed a tree? Oh, wow. That's- uh, Think about that. Uh, I, I don't even know that. Exactly. I, I didn't either. It was the time I was in, uh, I think I, last time I was in uh, elementary school yeah, had to be, with Jason Broom right. and I trying to get on the roof of my parents' house. That was the last <laughs> time I climbed a tree, okay? But the reality is men didn't climb trees, but this man risked that in order to just get a glimpse hmm. of King Jesus. I mean, people would run through crowds just to, uh, women would risk life and death just to grab the hem of his garments. Friends hmm. would unroof houses and roofs just to lower down to be in the presence of King Jesus. Here's our problem, Chris, and I'll reduce it to this. Dallas Willard uh, said this quote. uh, I think John Ortberg quotes him in his book, but I've heard this years and years ago. Dallas Willard said this, the problem with Christianity today is that we have reduced the gospel to the minimum entrance requirements Hmm. in order for us to get into heaven when we die. 
Wow. <laughs> okay. What, what is the least? The what, yeah. <laughs> what is the least we can do to get into heaven? Now, let me give you an example. Okay. When I when I married Candy, um, we were um, we were in love, like like everybody probably who's gotten married. That's probably a good start. <laughs> We definitely weren't strangers. We knew each other. You know, we were in love. And let's say as Brother Don, her pastor, was about to marry us, I hold, uh, I say, hold on. Let's, let's, hold, let's hold the festivities. Let's stop the way. I'm not going to do any vows yet. Uh, Candy, I need to tell you one thing. You need to ask one question. So I pull Candy aside at, at the uh, wedding right on the platform. And I say, Candy, let me just ask you one quick question. What is the least amount that I can do? And stay married to you. Just want to know, right out. Just full disclosure what's here. What's the least I can? Yeah. Do? What's the least I can do? So, just give you a couple, a couple for instances. Can I still call old girlfriends from the past just to check and make sure they're okay? I mean, golly, I just want to check in them. Is that okay? Or better yet, can I still go out and party with the guys on Friday? It's only gonna be Friday and Saturday. I mean, is that acceptable? Uh, if you know my wife, you're gonna know what she would say to that. Mm, probably no. A resounding no. Yeah. Candy, what's the least I can do to be married? Or here's another question. What's the lowest commitment I can have to you with the fewest amount of promises and the fewest amount of affirmations and still be married to you? Wow. She would say, you're crazy. That's not a relationship. See you. Okay. I'm not asking what's the least amount I can do in order to be married to Candy. What I'm saying is what is the most I can do Hmm. because I'm so in love with you and I'm doing this not out of duty to you. I'm doing this out of devotion because I love you. And every day we're together, I'm trying to think how I can outloyal you and outserve you and honor you. And sadly, that's what most people do when it comes to Christ. Hmm. Okay. Most people are asking, what is the least amount I can do and still go to heaven after I die. Wow. <laughs> well, and, what's and the, the least I could do, Chris, to avoid hell? Because I don't want to go to hell. I mean, like, can I come to church once a year? Is that cool? Or right. like, do I have to go once a month? Yeah. <laughs> do I have to go at all? Like, really, do I have to, can well, I still be in the family of God is, and not be a part of the family uh, of gathering of people? Pastors and church leaders have even cultivated this mindset. Maybe not attempting to get there. Obviously, no one wants to arrive here. But when we reduce it in our uh, invitation process, when yeah. we reduce it in what we celebrate as a church, uh, it just pushes people in that direction, and we lose sight of the you know the the kingdom essentially. Well, and here's the thing. Yeah, you got me thinking about this. Here's the thing: when we have the the minimum requirements in order to get in. And the watch this. When the goal is to get someone to say "aha" at the right place, and pat them on the back and say "you're saved." If that's the goal, don't don't you don't need to know everything. Just say "aha" to Jesus. Give your life to Christ. What happens is, if that's the goal, then the means are justified, whatever they are. What I mean is, if you're just trying to get people saved, so to speak, and say a prayer, then you're going to do whatever you have to do, albeit manipulative tactics to get people to get to that point of being saved. I heard a guy at a youth event one time say this. I'm not making this up. He said, close your eyes. He preached a sermon. He said, close your eyes and bow your heads. He said, if you would like to give your life to Jesus, I would like you to come step forward right now. Don't even think about it. Just come. I started looking. That know. sounds very similar to counting the cost. Now, here's the thing. We were supposed to have our eyes closed, but at that point, I had the squint eye look. You ever been there? That one eye open, just kind of squinted. Never, never, I'm looking around. I'm looking around. <laughs> I'm looking around thinking, 
Does anyone else in this room think that's unbiblical and wrong? Then he said again, don't think about it, just come. And I'm like, man, you don't have to go far to realize Jesus said, no one seeks out to build something without or construct something without counting the cost. Mm. No one goes to war without first sitting down and developing a strategy, right? I mean, so, so we don't even do those things in the world. Why in the world would we do those things with our eternal soul, which is at mm. stake, okay? And so here's the thing you got to realize. The reason we're not seeing discipleship happen I think, and I know I'm meddling here, and I know this may offend some people, but I'm just going to say it, is because we have reduced salvation to a point in a person's life only. I'm not saying the point's not important, because Mm -hmm. the point is important, but we have reduced it to a point only, and it has become an escalator approach to getting people on this conveyor belt, where then once they say a prayer, they're then shipped off into the future, and we find another person to put on the conveyor belt and ship them off to the future, and what happens is they don't realize that the conveyor belt is falling off on the end. Nobody's making it to the future because we haven't discipled and invested in the people, and the reality is we've told people this. Say a prayer, and when Jesus returns, which he's coming soon, mm-hmm. he's going to save you. He'll rapture you to be, whether you believe in the rapture, but you know he's coming, and I, I think I believe in the rapture, but he, he's coming, he's going to take us from here. I think the Bible shows us he's going to take right. us from here to be with him there. And the thing is, we have used the rapture or our death differently than the disciples did in the first century, because here's what you got to understand. In the first century... When they said the coming of the Lord is at hand or yeah. or near, it wasn't a license for laziness, which is what it is today. Yeah, that's what it is today. Yeah. Christ is coming. Who cares? Just relax and chill. Well, if you reach people with a minimum requirement, then you're going to get minimum participation. Ooh, that's exactly. why our churches are filled with uncommitted come on, quote Chris. unquote come leaders. Come on, Chris. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Whose fault is that? Yeah. And here's the thing. When the return of Christ being imminent was the driving motivation to live on mission with the gospel, Jesus, they they realized Christ could return at any time. So they wanted to tell as many people as they could this gospel message. And here's the thing. When we start living on mission for Christ, realizing that our salvation is not some point, but it's a partnership. That's a good idea. It's not a point, it's a partnership with the God of heaven. Then we start living out this kingdom on earth. So here's the question. How do we live in the kingdom today and bring heaven to earth through us? Let me give you a couple things and we'll close. We do this by living counter-cultural to the world. Mm. So every time, Chris, someone treats you wrong and you respond with a kind word, you, in a sense, usher the kingdom into earth. Hmm. Every time you seek forgiveness and not retaliation for someone doing something against you, you bring the kingdom to earth. Every time you give money toward kingdom initiatives and not spend it on yourself, you're bringing the kingdom to earth. Every time you admit you're wrong and ask forgiveness for your spouse with your spouse or someone else, you bring to the kingdom to earth. Every time you repent, you and I repent for putting work or church above family, discipleship, and investment, we bring the kingdom to earth. Every time a man or woman serves their spouse at the end of their life with a health illness and does it faithfully and compassionately, you bring the kingdom to earth. And every time you and I share the, the gospel with a lost person, we, in a sense, are ushering the kingdom of heaven to earth. Remember what Paul said, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20, the kingdom of God is not about talk, it's about power. Mm. Okay, it's not about talk, it's about power. Power today. So here's the question I'll leave you with. The question is not, has God worked in your life in the past when you prayed a prayer? The question is, 
what is God doing in your life today? Hmm. That's good. And uh, I feel like we probably will talk about this more in the future. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> no guarantees, but but probably. I think so. Uh, I do need to remind everyone that we are members of the Leadership Podcast Network, the Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network, and we're going to toss out a uh, just a little shout out to our friends at Established Church Podcast. Nice. Uh, have you listened to it lately? It is Sam Rayner, Micah Freeze, and Josh King who are leading this podcast. It's a it's a great conversation. I mean, they talk about everything from pastor approachability, Christian celebrity, um, all kinds of great. Wow. And, and they're things that you definitely can learn from. We love these guys. We love uh, what they're doing in this podcast. And so take a listen wherever you get your podcasts to the Established Church Podcast. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Making Disciples with Robbie Gallaty. If you don't mind, take a moment to subscribe and share the podcast. You can find out more about disciple making, resources related to disciple making, and our customized training on our website at replicate.org.